Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to a new edition of the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Continue to bring you conversations with experts in the field of sports, players, coaches, broadcasters, executives. Today's was one of my favorite players growing up as I became a big time fan of college basketball, a member of a 1988 title team with the Kansas Jayhawks. Went on to a 15-year NBA career as a really good coach at the college level, looking for his next opportunity, where I'm sure he'll find a tremendous amount of success. Danny Manning. Danny, how goes it for you and your family in these kind of weird times? Dan, thanks for having me, and uh, we're blessed. We're doing well. So we've got a chance to spend a lot of time together, like a lot of other families, and uh, just cherishing those moments and, um, you know, looking forward to better days ahead. Well, better days are definitely ahead for uh, our country. They're definitely ahead for college basketball because there was no NCAA tournament this past season. Myself and my work as a broadcaster, it's my favorite time of year. Uh, You as a coach would be the same, I can only imagine. But go back to your playing days. You had one of the greatest runs in all the NCAA tournament history. 1988, as I mentioned, you guys won the title. Um, you guys squeaked into the NCAA tournament and then went on a miraculous run. And in the title game, if I'm not mistaken, I think you had like 30 points, 18 rebounds in one of the best performances. Is there anything that stands out to you about that run that you guys had? Um, yeah, Dan, for me, the things that stand out are the relationships I have with my teammates and every game that we played in the tournament, it was somebody different being a, the determining factor of whether we won that game or not. So we were truly a team. And the best moment that I had during that run was actually after the game, sitting in the locker room uh, in Kemper Arena, just going back and forth with my teammates, you know, the, the, the conversation of locker room banner, but all and then the realization hits you that this is the last time that we're going to play together again on, on this type of stage. And um, it was it was a surreal moment, but it was really relaxing. It was a lot of fun, and um, it was something where you just felt very fortunate and blessed to be a part of. You know, there's uh, there's something that brings back memories of, of college basketball that maybe NBA career memories for me don't. You went on to be the number one pick in the in the 1988 draft. You had a 15 year career. When you look back. Are the memories for college more personal and more memorable than the memories that you created in the pro game because of what you just mentioned, the relationships? Oh, well, no, I think they're both very meaningful. Um, They're just different. You know, the emotions hit you differently. Um, Professionally in the NBA, I went through three ACLs. And the first time I had, I blew my knee out was my rookie year. 20-something games into my rookie season. At that time, it's considered career-threatening. So to come back from that injury, um, blow my knee out again, um, and then do it for a third time and still play 15 years, you know, that is something I'm very proud of. Uh, Fortunately, I was able to come back from great doctors and support staff and trainers and things of that nature. 
Um, it's not something you brag about, but I am happy about being able to persevere through all those hard times. And the relationships that I developed playing professionally with my former teammates and, and things of that nature. So um, I, I'm very blessed. They're two good experiences for me. Um, probably a little bit more well-known or recognized because of the Kansas run and our time at Kansas. But, um, you know, being able to – being blessed enough to be an NBA All-Star and Sixth Man of the Year – um, is something that I'm also proud of. Someone like myself, having gone through uh, a couple of surgeries, Achilles tendon surgery was one for me that obviously very few guys come back from to play in the NBA, and, and I was one of those. You mentioned the three ACL surgeries. Um, what has what, what were the biggest takeaways that you've used with that to be able to uh, kind of motivate players now as a coach because there's always that uncertainty um, for players coming back from injuries. And I'm sure now in your time at Kansas, Tulsa, and, and Wake Forest, you've had players that have had to come back from injuries. But you being in that situation can kind of share with them your experiences to help them get through. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I tell anybody that's going through an injury, um, you're a day closer to coming back. That's got to be your mindset. You know, you've gone through it, I've gone through it, and going into rehab, you've got to have a great mentality, you have to have a great attitude, and that needs to be one of the better parts of your day in order to get back to doing what you want to do. And so I tell our guys on a regular basis, be thankful for the day, be grateful for the day, take advantage of the day, seize the day, because um, tomorrow's not promised and you never know what can happen. Uh, some great words. Uh, I, I like that, you know, focus on each day and you're one day closer to coming back. Um, that's such a good message. And I think that's a message that a lot of young kids all don't always understand or take to heart. You had 15 years in the NBA. Most guys are always kind of looking to what's next, whether it's becoming a businessman, whether it's getting into coaching or broadcasting. Did you always feel that you were going to get into coaching? Um, well, for me, I kind of morphed, if you will, into the coaching um, profession. Um, growing, growing up, my father played professional basketball, and um, he was a journeyman. He played in the NBA and ABA, and he was someone like a glue guy. You know, he had to do all the small little things to, to help a team be successful. So I appreciated those things early on. And then later on in my professional career, um, the roles that I had on different teams, I was not playing as much. And in my mind, one of the roles that I took on was just sharing with my teammates what I'm seeing from sitting on the bench and trying to just share the information with them of, hey, this is how they're playing the pick and rolls, or, or this is what they're doing when you catch the ball on the post, or every time you catch the basketball, they're trying to force you to go one way and just share that information. And then along with coaching my kids' teams in the summers, um, their softball and baseball teams, I'm not an expert in those areas, but I was – kind of understood the fundamentals and then of course the basketball teams and so for me I really enjoyed coaching their teams I enjoyed sharing and teaching and then it just kind of rolled into when I got ready to retire Bill Self was named head coach at Kansas and he offered me a position on the staff and uh, you know for me the rest is history very fortunate and blessed for that opportunity. You know a lot of really good players struggle going into coaching because they look at well, I did it this way and it was easy, but they can't explain it. But when I go back and I look at your time at, in particular at Kansas, you developed a lot of really good post players at Kansas that went on to NBA careers. 
What do you think is the most important thing for a former player who wants to get into coaching to learn how to really coach? Well, one of the things I had to navigate was not taking it personal when you wanted to share or you tried to share information and, and, and guys didn't use it the way that you intended it for them to. And so, you know, that was probably the biggest thing for me, um, just letting them know that I'm here to help. And, and when, you're going to, when you want to be receptive to that help and you want that help, I'll be here. But, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to help you maximize and be the best that you can possibly be. So for me, it was not taking things personal. If I shared some information or tried to show them something and they didn't go that route. You got into the college coaching under a really good coach in Bill Self, but you also played for some really good coaches over the course of your playing career. In college, obviously, Larry Brown with the title. Uh, and then some of the NBA coaches that you played for, Jerry Sloan for a year in Utah, Rick Carlisle, Bill Fitch. What are some of the what are, what are some of the biggest takeaways from from some of your coaching mentors? Well, for me, I, everyone that's coached me, um, probably from junior high on up, has had a hand in my philosophy and how I think as a basketball coach. The three biggest mentors or influences: my father, who introduced me to the game, Coach Brown who made me a better person, made me a better player, and helped prepare me for the, the next level, the professional level, and, and Bill Self, um, showing me what it's like or what you need to do to be successful on, on the college ranks. But all the other coaches that you talked about, I also was fortunate enough to play for John Thompson on the Olympic team with an assistant coach and, and George Ravlin, and those two guys are icons in the sport as well. And so for me, um, you know, you take away – the biggest thing is whatever – is good for the team, is good for you as an individual. And the individual is not bigger than the team. You mentioned the, the 1988 Olympic team with John Thompson coaching. Uh, obviously, I, 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 had the, I was lucky enough to represent Team USA uh, in, while I was in college. We went to the World University Games, and we were the first USA team to lose in that event um, in years. We lost to Yao Ming um, before he was drafted. You guys, unfortunately, with the 1988 Olympic team, had that same disappointment. Any big memories that you have uh, about those Olympics? Yes, we paved the way for Dream Team. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one of them. No, I mean, for me, anytime you get a chance to represent your country, um, it's always a tremendous honor, you know, to, to put on the USA jersey and, and to go out there and play a sport that you love. But we got beat by some really good guys. You know, you talk about – Sabonis back before he came to the NBA and his, his body was still a little beat up when he came to the NBA but I remember playing that team and it seems like he got a rebound one-handed and threw an outlet pass behind his back to Marshall Lonis on the fly and they were off to the races and it was just like who is this guy um, but it was playing for the Olympics was, was a lot of fun obviously not the outcome that we wanted but you know, I, I tell myself we, we paved the way for Dream Team. So I'm gonna, that's going to be my story. <laughs> I, I like it. And, and I grew up in the Portland area. So I was a big fan of Sabonis. And, and yeah, I, nobody got to see him at his peak uh, before he had injuries over in Europe and, and played in those Olympics as well as played in the NBA. When you were growing up, who were your favorite players and who did you try to mold your game after? Uh, well, for me, Dan, I um... – Players my height didn't have a, didn't get the opportunity to handle the ball as much as um, I had the fortune of doing as I was growing up as a player. So for me, I, you know, most of the teams that my dad played on, I always would kind of look at 
different guys on the team. And so, you know, I go back to when he played for the Carolina Cougars and, and jumping Joe Caldwell or, or Billy Cunningham, Matt Calvin. Those were guys, Ted McClain. Those were guys that played on that team. And we played for the New Jersey Nets, of course, as Dr. J. I mean, you know, you see him. And I remember sitting on the, the backstop at practices and he would dunk the basketball and the goal would just shake and, and the vibration, which was so cool. And um, so for me, whenever my father played on the team, I kind of just looked up to all the, his, his teammates going into the locker room, saying hello, um, getting on the court, rebounding for him, things of that nature. So I, I was very fortunate in that aspect. And, and I got a chance to just take it all in as a whole. So I don't know if I really had a favorite player outside of my father, but I really appreciated all the other guys that um, he came in contact with and um, how they treated me growing up. It's a pretty unique experience that you had to be able to grow up around uh, professional basketball and some high-level players. Uh, I imagine that you wanted to stay in the world of basketball as a coach because of your dad, and it looks like that's coming full circle with your son. Um, it, it's from, from what it sounds like, and you can share, uh, it sounds like he's going to be a part of my alma mater, uh, Gonzaga, as a, as a grad assistant. How proud of you? Are, him, are you of him wanting to, to follow your path and be a coach? Extremely proud. You know, um, everybody's paths and journeys are a lot different. So when Evan graduated from high school, he went to prep school for a year at New Hampton Prep, played for a great coach and Pete Hutchins. And then from there, he walked on at Kansas and, and then played there. And, um, you know, just a tremendous amount of respect for putting himself in that situation um, of going to Kansas and, and following in the, the family name, so to speak, with a grandfather and father that um, contributed to that program. And then the last few years for me, he's been on my, you know, on my staff at, at Wake, and I've loved every second of that. And uh, feel very fortunate. And, and now, like you said, he's going out with Coach Few, and he's going to be a GA, and he's looking forward to to being a part of that basketball family. He's very excited. So, as a parent, you know, we're we're really happy and, and proud of him for navigating his way in this profession. I, I can't wait to have a chance to meet with him because I'm around that program. I broadcast a lot of their regional games. Uh, hopefully you get a chance to come out this, this next season and uh, we can connect on, on a, on a face-to-face level, maybe share lunch and, and share some more stories, but it's heading into the year 2020, 2021, the college basketball season. You, as mentioned, won the title in 1988 with Kansas what are the biggest differences that you see in the game over the last 30 years or so? Well, then I think it's a game now that for us as players, we really would have enjoyed this era. Um, Not that we didn't enjoy the era that we played in, but it's a little bit more free flowing. I think it's a little bit more international feel to the game in terms of movement and spacing and skill set. And so, um, you know, that's probably one of the, the biggest things that I noticed. I mean, you know, people talk about use the title positionless basketball where there have always been guys that have been able to swing and play different positions. I think now people are just starting to really appreciate those types of players a little bit more. You played in the NBA when, when I was uh, young. So it would have been uh, 10 years old is when you were drafted. And that's really when I, I fell in love with the game of basketball and I collected all the cards. I watched every game that I could. I was growing up in the Portland area. I would get to go to one Blazer game a year. Um, When you look at that 
early 90s era of basketball. Outside of Michael Jordan, everybody knows, obviously, the stories because of the last dance that came out recently. But who are some of those unsung heroes or, or guys in that era that you just looked at me, man, that guy was unbelievable, but he just didn't get the recognition or people didn't know about him uh, as much as other guys. Well, you know, one of the guys that jumps out, a couple guys, to be honest with you, um, that played my position, one would be uh, Detlef Shrimp. You know, Detlef was really talented, multi-skilled, played all over the court, and he was always a, a fun and tough matchup for me. But I also think of guys like Chris Weber and Jawan Howard that were skilled bigs that could play inside and play outside that were very effective for their teams and had great careers. And so, and then I appreciate guys that I played with like Ron Harper, you know, one of the ultimate glue guys who went through ACL injury and, and battled back to be a part of um, the championship Bulls teams and Laker teams. So those are just a couple guys that come to mind. But to me, it was every night out on the court, you had a chance to, to go up against the best of the best, as you know, and also appreciate those guys. You know, I remember when Kobe comes into the league. I remember when KG and, and, and McGrady and, and, and all those talented kids that jump right from high school professionally, and you see them um, struggle coming out of the gates, whether it's style of play, physicality, length of the season, or not at a point where they've matured mentally enough to handle it, and you see them grow and develop and end up becoming one of the best or some of the best players in the game. Those are things that you really appreciate along your way in your journey. What's next for Danny Manning? I know you, you, you won a title with Kansas as an assistant coach, and then you get a chance at, at Tulsa. You made the NCAA tournament in your second year. Wake Forest didn't necessarily turn out uh, as well as maybe you had hoped, but um, what's next for Danny Manning? Do you want to stay in the college game? Do you want to maybe take a look at the NBA? Uh, what, do you, what do you hope for in your future? Well, for me, Dan, I just want to be involved with the game. And, um, you know, there's a certain piece of me that is intrigued by the broadcasting part of uh, being at games and being a part of it. But I envision myself still being a part of the game of basketball. I love the game. I love teaching it. I love being around it. I love learning um, from different people. And so, you know, for me, I just want to be involved with the game. And so that's what I'm going to try to do, whether it's broadcasting or, or coaching. Um, I, I just want to be a part of the game that I, I truly love and it's been really good to me well the game's been good to me as well and I will I will leave you with this before I let you go uh, I did one year as a coach with the Blazers as a player development coach um, and the thing is and you know this better than I do as being a head coach you're you stay up late at night re-watching film thinking about the correct decisions you made the negative decisions you made what your guys are doing after the game, if they're going to be at school the next morning on time. Whereas a broadcaster, the game's over. You worry about maybe the, the name you mispronounced or you misspoke on, on one phrase when you tried to explain something. But the next day, nobody's going to forget – or, excuse me, nobody's going to remember. As a coach, they're going to remember it was a win or a loss. So I'll just leave you with that, and you can make your decision either way. But I look forward to, to – continuing to, to be in touch with you and, and see where the next steps of your career take you. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot for having me, and I look forward to seeing you when we come out and visit. Absolutely. Look forward to it again for the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports. Today's guest, none other than number one pick in the 1988 draft, Danny Manning. 
the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.